0: That's what I want to talk about for the next next uh, chunk of time. What do I mean by gospel movement, Um, and and what does it look like to have a framework through which I can see the church differently? So again, my 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 goal for tonight is that your view of the church would be expanded, and that you'd be affirmed that you have a critical role in shaping what the narrative of the church is like. But I think it's it's important that we define what church is. When, when we're talking about expanding your view of church, where are we starting? So we're going to focus on what the church is. Let's focus on the what first. I have a few key Bible passages here from scripture, and I think that through reading these, I want to highlight a couple of key themes that reveal some of the definition of what I mean by church, okay? So you guys are probably tired of hearing my voice right now, so I want to get a couple of volunteers to read these verses, okay? So who is one person who can read Galatians? I don't know. Is that okay here? Galatians. Let's see here. Who you do it? Back here? <laughs> awesome. Can you read it Can you? God. Well, thank you. What was your name? Nicole. thank you. Okay, final one. Revelation 1 4. <laughs> Over here. <laughs> Let's do, do it. Let's do it. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so I want to highlight a couple of things. And you'll see in red on this next slide. A red, and hi- a red highlight for each verse. And each of these red highlights help define what we mean by church. You'll see the first one in Galatians to the churches in Galatia. Is that to one church or to many? Many. There's like a plurality there, right? The second one, to God's elect. Is it just to the pastors or professional Christians or, or the leaders, the ministers? No, it's to God's elect. That's all of us. Everybody in the body of Christ. So so there's, it's all people in the body of Christ. And where, because these are all the hard names, right? Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Phinia, Beaverton, Portland, Walletian. The the churches, Hillsborough, exactly, are rooted in a place, right? These are real places. And then in Revelation 1.4, we see to the seven churches, to the one church, no, to the seven churches, In the province of asia in the state of oregon right there's a place here so if we look at what is the church a simple definition you can remember you can remember with three p's okay the church is people all the faithful to christ not just the professional christians all the faithful to christ you as a student as a high school student as a middle school middle school student you are a critical part of the church all the faithful to christ And not just, not just Cedar Mill Bible Church, but all the churches. So there's a plurality here. These letters are written to many churches and sometimes the letters are written and then the writer would say "And pass it along to the church that meets in this household and make sure you read their letter because we're all the church together. So there's a plurality here. And I put a little asterisk next to churches because when my team at Palau talks about Churches, we say this is a congregation. This is a church congregation, Cedarville Bible Church. But it's one expression of the citywide church. So we can think of Beaverton Four Square as another congregation, or maybe Sunset Presbyterian, Village Baptist, and, and others. And together, there are many diverse, beautiful expressions of churches that together were one church. So there's a plurality, or many, but there's also one. And finally it's in a place these are real places where the church was and was rooted it's that city that it impacted okay so again the church is rooted in a place it's one church many congregations there's a plurality there and then also it's people people rooted in a place so it was kind of a trick question when i asked you guys earlier how many churches do you think are in your city? And many of you guys said, mm, like 51 to 100, right? But really, based on this framework of seeing the church as a, a one citywide church rooted in a place made up of all the believers in that city, how many churches? One. But many congregations and many expressions of the citywide body. So this is kind of the big idea, and this is kind of the big, heady, technical definition. So don't get overwhelmed if you read this and you're like, what is this? Like, am I in school? Like, I thought I'd finish that for today. But this is what I get really excited about because this is an expanded vision of what church is. And when churches are working together in a collaborative way, our team calls that a city gospel movement. When churches are working together for the good of the city. So I'm going to read this definition, but don't feel like, oh my gosh, you don't understand what that means, because I'll break it down a bit later, okay? A city gospel movement is a united, churches working together, holistic, caring about preaching the gospel, and also caring for physical needs of people, united, holistic, sustainable effort by the citywide church to seek the peace and prosperity of their city. So it's also sustainable for the long haul. We're not just saying, okay, we're gonna do an event and hope that the city gets better. Or if you think about your context, what if we said a school gospel movement? Like in many of your guys' lives, your school is your primary community. This is where you do life. This is where you understand the needs, the hopes, the dreams, the pain of your community, right? Like you guys are really close to your schools. It's a big part of your life. And what if you envisioned a united, holistic, sustainable effort of all the believers in your school, regardless of what church they went to on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, knowing each other, caring for each other, and working together for a common vision to see your school flourish? Maybe those mental health things addressed in your school because you're working together as the one body of Christ in that school. Are you starting to get this? Is it starting to click a little bit? Okay. So Lizzie, you've talked about the church as a people rooted in a place, all the believers working for the good of the city, not just as one congregation, but collaboratively among many congregations in the city as one city-wide body of Christ. So why does this matter? What's the big deal, right? This is what I I was wondering in college. What's the big deal with the church? So let's read a couple other passages. I'll read these ones so you don't feel like worried I'm gonna roam around. But it's in John 17. If you guys have your phones, your Bibles, we you want to get it out to. It's John 17. And this is a really critical passage passage because this gets at the why. Why is it important that that congreg- bless you, that congregations work together? Like what's the big deal? It is a big deal, and here's why. Jesus is praying. In John 17 and he's about to go to the cross it's pretty soon before he dies and so think of these words as like some of his his last words his dying breath okay what does he want what does he want to communicate to his disciples to the world through Scripture what is he saying what matters to him in these last moments let me read it, it says in John 17 22 to 23 have given them, disciples, the glory you gave me so they may be one as we, Son and the Father, are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So what is Jesus saying? Again, I wanna highlight a couple of important red and blue things here. Jesus is, is praying to the Father that the oneness, that unity he has with the Father would be oneness that we get to experience together as a church, as disciples. Why is that unity important? Jesus died so that we could be reconciled to God, right? But because we're reconciled to God, we can be reconciled to each other. Jesus died so there could be unity where there wasn't unity before. Unity with us in God and unity with us in other people. And why is that important? Because through that unity, people start to notice. The world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father. And that Jesus and God, they love the world if the people of God live in unity. That's a big deal. Like Our witness, our reputation depends on our unity. So Jesus, in his last dying breath, he's, or before he goes to the cross, these are some of his last words. And he's saying, I'm praying, I'm desiring that the church would be united as one so the world will know me and my love for So that's a big deal. A lot's resting on on the fact that we can be unified. So that was Jesus' prayer in John. Now let's shift to Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians, the letter to Ephesus. So again, if you're tracking along, this is Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And Paul writes, um, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you, he's talking to other believers, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, was over all and through all and in all. That is a lot of unity and one and one and one. So Paul understands that when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, we share all of these things. We share common faith, baptism, Lord, we're a part of one body, we're unified. And he's saying the reason why it's so important that we keep the unity, that we work together, that we see ourselves as one body, is because through that lifestyle of maintaining the unity, that is what living a life worthy of the calling we ever received looks like. In other words, If we choose to follow Jesus, if we commit our lives to follow Jesus, what are we signing up for? We're saying, Jesus, you lived a lifestyle that created unity in places where there was not unity. You created peace in places where there was not peace. You created wholeness in places where there was not wholeness. So I, by following you, will follow your example and keep the unity of the Spirit because through keeping the unity of the Spirit, by living in, in unity and collaboration with other believers, I'm, I'm maintaining unity where there wasn't unity before. I'm creating wholeness where there wasn't wholeness before. I'm living in peace where the world says there shouldn't be peace. That's why it's so important that we see each other as a citywide body of Christ, because it's biblical. Jesus prayed for this unity. He died for this unity. And this is the lifestyle he's calling his followers to live out. So not only is this, this way of viewing the church really biblical, but it's super practical. Because if we think about those issues you guys communicated on, on, on the screen, you want to make a dent in, whether it's education or mental mental health and things like that, can just the people in you alone in Beaverton. Could we together make a huge dent? Could we solve the problem in Beaverton? Yes. Maybe. Maybe not. Could we maybe potentially make a bigger dent in it if we worked with other community members, with other congregations, potentially with even other professionals who Work in that space. If we work together, can we make a bigger dent in these issues? Yes. So the way that we think about gospel movements is not only biblical, but it's really practical when it comes to these big issues that we're talking about in our schools and in our city. So again, this is the big idea. A united, holistic, sustainable effort of the citywide church to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. But now let's get to the practical stuff. You're like, okay, I get that, but how, how does this work? This is all 30,000-foot theory, right? I'm going to show you an, a, a graph, that or a visual diagram that I think helps communicate what a gospel movement is. And I hoping that you guys will be able to find your place in it. You're like, okay, I think that's where I can fit in. That's where if I wanted to work with other people in my school or even other people in this youth group, that's where I would want to focus my efforts, okay? So we're going to focus on the how. So when I bring up the full diagram, it's going to have two components or two parts. One is you're going to see a green circle around these yellow circles. And the green circle communicates attitudes, or we call them core values. So they're kind of the attitude by which you do all the activity in the middle. And the activity in the middle is the yellow circles. So all of the activity you do, you want done in the attitude of the green. So this is a lot, but I'll break it down. Unity in Jesus. That's kind of what I was talking about before, right? Why does unity matter so much? Because, again, it's through our unity that people will know Jesus and know his love for them. And it's also through unity that we're living the life that's worthy of the calling we've received. We're living this life that says, yes, Jesus created unity with me. Now I get to create unity with other people. So all that activity is based on unity in Jesus, what you see on the bottom. But then... When we think about changing a school or changing a city, we try to think of, it's, it's too simple, it doesn't include everything, but hopefully it'll give you a framework. How, what does it look like to do prayer, service, and evangelism in a united, holistic, and sustainable way? And again, your school or your city? I wanna give three quick examples to help you understand what united holistic sustainable prayer looks like that's different in a gospel movement versus just a single congregation? And what does united holistic sustainable evangelism look like that's different in a gospel movement versus a single congregation? So three quick stories, okay? Hang in there, you guys are doing amazing. I know this is a ton of content, but we're almost there, okay? So when I think about prayer, there is a leader that I've talked to in Eugene, Oregon. Who, who has been to Eugene? Go Ducks, right? Yeah. Okay, so there, yeah, there are 40 churches, 40 churches in Eugene who have committed to this strategy to pray for their city and the churches 24-7, 365 days a year. I'm going to say it again. 40 churches have committed to pray for their city and the churches in that city 24-7, 365 days a year. How is that possible? Who's doing that? The strategy is called One Church, One Day. And each of those 40 churches has said, hey, we volunteer to pray on the first Wednesday of every month. Another church around the corner say, and we will pray on the first Thursday of every month. And individual people in that church community will literally say, I'll pray at 3.30 in the morning. And another person will like, say, I'll pray at 7 a.m. And they pray for a little bit. And with their whole church, individuals just like you and just like me can say, We'll cover this one day 24 7 in prayer over education, over mental illness in our community, over the churches. And so over the course of that month and over the course of the whole year, those 40 churches are praying for their community 24 7. That's crazy. But you know what I haven't heard of yet? As I've talked to 400 leaders, I haven't heard of youth groups doing this. I was thinking, how cool would it be if youth groups in Beaverton said, you know, what? okay, a month, a year, that's a lot, but what if we did a week? Like, what if we did 24-7 prayer for our schools in our city for a week this year, and we work together with half a dozen other youth groups? How cool would that be? How much would you be looking to see, is God answering that prayer for my school? Is God answering that prayer of my community? Because we're collectively praying for it. That's a unique expression of prayer in the gospel movement. Other churches, just an individual congregation, can set it a night and say, hey, we're gonna pray for our schools tonight, which is awesome, and we need both, but I'm just wanting to expand your vision of what's possible. Okay, United Holistic Sustainable Service. So one of the really cool stories that um, happens in New York State is there are over a thousand students from like a dozen, over a dozen different youth groups who take their spring break every year and do this camp. But it's not a typical like spring break or summer camp. I saw a Tadmore shirt over here. I used to go to Camp Tadmor, and that was an amazing summer experience. But these high school students will take their spring break off and say, we're gonna go to camp in our own city. And what they do during the morning is they do devotionals and worship together with other youth groups because they sleep at church buildings. But during the day, they're all mobilized in the community and they restore houses and they do landscaping and they talk to the elderly. They run like little camps for kids. And that's what the whole week looks like. And that has become the highlight of students' whole entire year. And that's the way they're impacting the city. Other, you know, a, a youth group could go and serve maybe in Guatemala or Costa Rica for the week. And that's amazing, maybe one congregation could do that. But how much more could you impact the whole city if a thousand youth got together in one week and got to know people from different youth groups? Because the other cool thing I didn't mention is that the youth that volunteer, they're mobilized out with a couple people from their youth group, but also with other people from different youth groups. You're getting to know believers. And finally, evangelism. I saved this one for last because you guys are actually doing this. Who here went to the Unite Night a handful of months ago? Yeah, you guys are doing this. You guys didn't know it, but you guys are participating in a gospel movement, a collaboration of churches in the area. So the Unite Nights are so awesome because you guys get to worship together with other youth groups. You guys get to meet other believers in your school that you maybe didn't know before. And the gospel shared to peers who haven't received Christ and haven't chosen to follow him yet. That is an amazing, beautiful expression of evangelism that happens and you guys are already a part of. That's part of the I gospel water. movement. You know, others, other youth groups, you guys are familiar with Alpha. You guys can run Alpha Youth. Um, you guys can go out on the streets and pray for people. And like one church could do that. Tonight, like how cool was that when you guys gathered together with hundreds of your peers and got to feel the energy up in the room and the unity that happened because you did it together. So those are different. Um, hopefully, expands your vision for what could be possible. I want you guys. love serving. Like, I'm really passionate about like, the anti-trafficking in the area. or I'm really passionate about making sure other people in my school aren't lonely. Like, I want them to feel included. Like, I'm passionate about service side. Or maybe you're like, him, like, I want people to know Jesus. Like, I'm always inviting people to youth group. Like, I'm really passionate about evangelism. Or maybe you're about prayer and you're like, maybe I'm not super extroverted. I just, I believe God hears prayers and I love praying for people. And maybe you can't say, oh, I, I neatly fit in prayer service and evangelism. But what's really cool about a gospel movement is you don't need to own every single one of these spaces. But together as the city-wide church, these are all covered because different church congregations have different strengths. So what I want to do before we take our intermission is to get you thinking about this chart and whether it helps think about this chart in the form of your school or in the form of your city. I want you to think about what do you want to see changed in your school or your city that you can't do alone? Like, what do you want to see impacted? What do you want to give your effort to so you can see change in the culture of that community? We've been blessed to be a blessing, right? We've been unified to God to help unite to him, to show other people that unity. So what do you want to see change in your school or community that you can't do alone? And I want to hear after the intermission, we'll have just time to dream about sharing some of those ideas, because maybe there are other people in this room who have the same dream for their community, and if you heard them say, I want to see people who are depressed not be depressed anymore. Like, what can we do around that? Maybe other people share that passion, and you guys can work together creatively on, on what it looks like to address that, okay? So think about this, and think about what your unique passion is, and we'll share about some of those ideas. But in the meantime, I think we're gonna go to intermission, is that right?